because what they feel Buddhism is and what Buddha himself was about is self-exploration. It is not a faith system. So unlike all the other religions, Buddhism is not telling you what to believe. Mm. It is actually saying, don't believe me. Buddha said, never trust me or anyone what to believe. Explore it for yourself. If something resonates with you, explore it in your own life. This is the Empowered Spirituality Podcast, the podcast about inclusive spirituality. Empowered Spirituality is all about connecting and aligning to your own higher self. All religions, spiritual practices and beliefs, sexual orientations, gender identities and expressions are welcomed and celebrated here. I am your host, Samantha Nagel, owner of and coach at Empowered Spirituality, LLC. Every Wednesday, I will share a guided meditation practice, and every Thursday, I will share inspirational teachings or interviews with people with different spiritual practices, beliefs, and opinions. Come every week with an open mind, taking what you like and leaving the rest. Welcome to Empowered Spirituality. Hi everyone, thanks for listening to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. I'm Bex Mui, use she and her pronouns, and I'm a queer biracial spiritual organizer. I'm here to tell you about my latest project, House of Our Queer, which you can find on Instagram. House of Our Queer is a QT by POC-centered spiritual play space where I share affirmations for the queer and trans community. Each week, I host an IG Live queer church, which includes a recharging reading, an astrology update, a weekly spiritual consideration, and closes with a tarot card pull to guide us into the week ahead. Throughout the week, I offer affirmations and gentle responses to current events affecting our diverse community and other IG Live chats on everything from decolonizing Christianity to queer artistic sex ed to crystal readings. Check it out on Instagram at House of Our Queer. Thanks. I'm joined with Duda Baldwin, who is a psychotherapist and a life coach. Hi, how are you? Hi, Samantha. I'm really well. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Um, I would love to have you introduce yourself and just talk a little bit about who you are right now. So um, as you already mentioned, I'm a psychotherapist and a counselor and a life coach. And my um, main body of work is helping people with transformation in their lives. And that can be, you know, from like small changes in their lives that bother them and cause a lot of dissatisfaction to like big spiritual transformations when they, you know, come to a point where they just started to question the big things they've done in life or where they want to go from here. And so yeah. that's really what I do for, for living. Um, but apart from that, I'm, in my 40s, I live in Australia, which is now my fourth country. 
Um, I, I'm actually European, Croatian, German, then lived in London for a long time and um, moved to Australia for my husband. And I'm also a stepmom of two little boys. Mm. And um, yeah, so that, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Mm. Thank you. And thank you for introducing yourself as more than your work too. That's so important. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I often talk <laughs> about my work. Um, but yeah, I'm much more than my work. I mean, we all are. Mm, I love it. Um, you said that you work with transformation and helping people with all kinds of transformations. Um, I'm curious about what got you interested into that work of transformation. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually a very interesting story. I think, um, I was um, like a lot of people living my life in a pretty conventional way. Mm. Um, and I think I went through a really difficult and challenging time back in 2009, mm. which really pushed me into, uh, into a corner. And um, yeah. I was left by my then boyfriend that I was meant to marry and lost a whole network of people. I was living in London back then and I was a foreigner. So I kind of lost that sense of belonging. And yeah. I was back then a marketing manager at university, got um, made redundant in that really difficult financial crisis um, and basically ended up without a home, money or anything. And that was a really challenging time. And I think I was forced to really look into not just okay what's the next job that I'm going to do but literally just looking it, you know facing myself in the mirror and thinking is how you're gonna how you're gonna move on like how you're going to continue is this the way that you want to continue um, and the answer was no I actually looked I was 32 and I looked back and I felt like this is what kind of life did I actually yeah. live? That's not really who I am. And I think that was the most profound kind of, it was very hard to be in that situation, but it was also incredibly beautiful. It was very powerful to actually stand there. And it, I felt like I'm standing still and having an opportunity to reflect on is what am I doing? What am I doing and why am I doing it? And that's something that really brought um, transformation into my own life because I realized I was walking on autopilot. I was hugely conditioned like everybody else by the society, mm. teachers, family, you know, the shoulds and ought to do's, you know, like I should be married by then. I should have children by then. I should have a house and a car. I should, 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 should. And yeah. And none of those shoulds actually resonated with me. You know, that girl in the mirror was just looking and saying, I actually don't give a shit about those. Like I have, I want something else. Yeah. And I think that was, I think I just became my own therapist, so to speak. Um, yeah. And yeah, then just basically went into my own journey. But my journey was a little bit unlike most transformational journeys. I, I discovered myself through creating my own business mm -hmm. so I didn't necessarily think it's going to be a spiritual journey 
I felt, oh, I'm going to start my own thing, homeless in London, no money, no network, nothing, no food yeah. to eat, nothing. I'll just, I'll just want to see who I am. Like I would, I would probably say I started more from like a stoic philosophy mm. and started to work through my own, own entrepreneurship uh, related very strongly to Steve Jobs, mm. um, who was a Buddhist. But I was not necessarily interested in um, spirituality per se because I believe spirituality equals religion. And I was raised Catholic and was not very keen on religions. I was done with yeah. my Catholic church and was like, no, no, I'm not interested in spirituality right now. I just want to see who I can become by overcoming mm. obstacles. Uh, mm. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see who I can become by overcoming obstacles. Yes, it's a very stoic um, way of looking at life. Mm. It's basically looking at the challenge and, and having a real enthusiasm for it, knowing mm. that once you overcome it, you actually expand as a person. And because I felt like such a victim of what happened to me, um, I wanted to prove to myself every, every little thing that I haven't been aware of that can actually make me powerful. So what can I do? That was the question. What can I do? And let me prove it to myself. I was never keen to prove it to anyone else, which is another thing people struggle with. Like, I don't really care what people think of me. Am I liked? Am I popular? Um, I really deeply care about, do I like myself? Am I popular in my own eyes? <laughs> do I like the girl in the mirror? Like, so I check my integrity, but I was very focused on finding my own power. Yeah. And when I mean power, it's not the ego that I'm talking about. It's more about the strength that I have because I felt very weak. Um, the courage because I felt very scared. Uh, I almost wanted to find all the opposites in me of what I actually felt in that moment, which was a very vulnerable moment. Yeah. Mm, finding all the opposites in me, that is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable about your life story and, and how you did embark on such a spiritual journey without putting the word spiritual to it. I think that is so interesting. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it can, I, it can really resonate with a lot of people who are not necessarily keen on religions, yeah. which was my case then. And I, and I still am not um, keen on religions for, for many different reasons. My personal view is that religions are organizations of mm. a certain you know, faith or belief system, which have done a lot of negative things in the world. And of course, some, some people really don't want to relate to that. And so back then it was, yeah. you know, it really resonated with me. I was not interested. Like people would say, I had people who were friends who were spiritual and into all sorts of things. And I just did not want to put my foot anywhere close to that. Yeah. All I was keen on is to find all my answers within me and I think it took me maybe 18 months where 
I Googled things that were like, I Googled things that were like, just I asked Google, like, what, um, you know, like unhappiness, like power within me. I just wanted my own answers, but I needed some sort of guidance. And every time there was something coming up that resonated with me, it was always related to the Dalai Lama. And I didn't really know much about them. I just liked them. They were smiley, you know, smiley monks, happy, giggling. And, you know, I liked a few movies about it, but I was not really keen. Mm. Um, until I started to notice, oh, my God, every time I find some peace and I find some wisdom that really mm. hits home, that really makes me grow in my own wisdom, mm. came from the Buddhist wisdom. Mm. yeah that's so interesting so interesting and so can you clarify you said you're not very interested in religions but you are someone who does I think identify as a Buddhist and you can correct me if I'm wrong so what's the difference between um, Buddhism as a religion versus um, a spiritual practice I suppose mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I will give you a very Buddhist answer to that. <laughs> um, you see, when I was um, visiting a monastery in Nepal in 2014, I did, I did it as a retreat. I was really working hard, running my own company, having people employed, working 21 hours, really burned out and, um, you know, pretty like business driven. Yeah. Uh, I ended up in the monastery and um, ended up with the Tibetan Buddhist lamas and learned about what Buddhism is. And it was fascinating to actually hear how they, and I'm talking about lamas who are like the closest to the Dalai Lama. Yeah, wow. They basically themselves say Buddhism is not a religion. That's, that's um, in the Western world, we need to, judge everything we need to label things we need to put it in a box yeah so i would say almost to me it feels like we have labeled buddhism as a religion mm. but it's not necessarily what they wanted and so because we have this in our society in our culture this instinctive need to just put a label on everything Yes. We put a label religion to Buddhism. And I'd say if there was a debate, I think the Buddhist lamas would question, is there really necessary to put a label on it? Mm. Because what they feel Buddhism is and what Buddha himself was about is self-exploration. It is not a faith system. So unlike all the other religions, Buddhism is not telling you what to believe. Mm. It is actually saying, don't believe me. Buddha said, never trust me or anyone what to believe. Explore it for yourself. If something resonates with you, explore it in your own life, test it out and live it. And if it doesn't work, find something else that does. It only teaches virtues. It explains virtues like compassion and kindness, mm. unconditional love. But it's also holding people accountable to the shit that they create, you know, being a victim, yeah. blaming others, right? Selfishness, greed, like ignorance, yeah. arrogance. Yeah. And the society is full of those. So it's not all like fluff in Buddhism. It's a lot of accountability involved. 
accountability. But it, yeah, but it's not about how oh, we, you know, it, when I was in the monastery, for example, they were telling us Buddhism is not for everyone. Some people need to be Catholics. Some people need to be Muslims. They're all beautiful teachings. Mm -hmm. And what I found in Buddhism is, is that freedom, that, that freedom that I can go my own way. Also the freedom that I'm not um, needing to, to, to follow somebody's belief like I did in Catholic church. Like I was told so. And if I questioned it, I was in trouble. Yeah. You know, I was actually expelled from the church when I was 10 because I questioned things like you can't tell me somebody's a virgin and giving birth because in school I have science. So let's just reconcile those two things. And so if I question it, it's a bad thing. In Buddhism, that's what they want. They want you to question mm -hmm. things. And it's very linked to therapy. In therapy, you can't mm -hmm. tell the, the patient or the client, I like to call it the client, I can't tell them what to believe. I have to guide them. So they find their own belief because only then it works. We all have to find our own truth. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's beautiful in Buddhism because they, they, give, you, they give you teachings about, it's, it's all wisdom. It's just about wisdom. Mm. Yeah, the meaning of life. But you find your own meaning of life. They just provide some sort of a foundation and then it's up to you what you're going to do with that. Mm. Thank you. What a what a beautiful description that you gave. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to sit with that for a little bit, especially the part um, where you said there's no right or wrong, essentially, that some people do need to be Catholic or Muslim, that all these expressions of spirituality and religion are beautiful. Um, thank you. That's so beautiful. And I, I'm, what you said at the very beginning that you don't have to label your spirituality. I think that's so important. And I think that's something that I struggled with because I grew up in a very, very conservative Christian small town where Christianity was the only way um, or you were going to hell. <laughs> um, yeah. And so as someone who didn't really identify with the Christian faith and what the churches were embodying and teaching, um, I was like, well, I guess I'm just not religious or like I'm not spiritual and, and I just can't be. It's like one way or the other. Um, and then as I started looking into other types of religions and spiritualities, I was like, I like this one, I like this one, I like this one, but I don't like them all the way or, you know, whatever it was. And there was such a pressure to label myself as one thing or the other. And I love that you said that we don't have to label that, that spirituality can be everything or it could be just parts of us. It can be parts of other things. And I, I just, I really thank you for bringing that forward. Yeah, I think it's so important to, to talk about this because, you know, labeling is a very damaging um, way of mm. expecting people to be. And we do it in every aspect of our lives. I mean, just like, just like you're born as a girl and, you know, there's, we are so conditioned by these labels or you, you know, yes. uh, one day when you're a mom, who says I want to be a mom? Like, why are you telling me this? Or one day you're going to find a nice man who's going to take care of you. Like, who says I want a man to take care of me? 
um, you know, uh, you know, we have to go um, to the church every Sunday. Why do I have to go to the church every Sunday? You know, um, by age 30, you should be married with two kids, um, have a house and two cars. Like, why? Like, why did you actually ask me if I want to have a house? Maybe I'd never want to have a house. Maybe I want to live in the woods, in the shed, you know, um, like a hippie, like, it's all very conditioned by these labels and spirituality is just one. And whatever comes, mm. if you look at it, we all we're very quick to just put it in a box. And if you're not, if you're not, um, if you're not in that box, you don't fit in. And I think it's yeah. very damaging because we are so brainwashed by this. You have to fit in from yeah. such an early age that there's not many authentic people anymore. And that's why therapists like me, we're pretty busy because we work with people who yeah. come to a certain point, which is in the Western called midlife crisis. In the Eastern philosophies, it's called the awakening. You see how you label a midlife crisis as a crisis, it's not a crisis, it's an awakening. You just yeah. woke up and you started to question, why on earth am I an investment banker? Why have I married this person? Why do, why do I have three children? Why did I spend all this money on those cars? Why am yeah. I living in the middle of a city that is loud? Mm -hmm. And so in the Western, God forbid to question that, right? Stay put, yeah. fit in, right? And don't raise any concerns because this is what we expect you to do. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Go yeah. to church, you know, be a Christian because everybody in this little village is a Christian too. So you can't stand out. And so we have a, I would say we have a pandemic of people who are not authentic and people, that's why I believe there's a lot of depression and anxiety because, mm. you know, somebody put a lid on us and we're going to explode at some point. And that's where we explode in the midlife crisis or in the awakening. And so my, in my work, when I when you when you ask me the transformation that I work with people, it's finding their own voice, their own beliefs, untangling all the external shoulds and labels, you know. Yes. And spirituality is one of those. Mm. You've mentioned um, the way that we're conditioned and programmed a couple of times, um, and you said something in the very beginning of the episode. You said you realize that's not who I really am and that you were, you were acting, the girl in the mirror you said was who's been conditioned by society and family. Um, and I would love to hear more about that process of taking apart the shoulds and finding out who you really are authentically un, unconditioned, unprogrammed. Yeah, I don't think it's an easy thing to do because the main ingredient that keeps you stuck in that place is fear so fear is something that the society really does well and it's it created such a monster that when you actually go through the awakening yeah you you are much better off if you had a training in courage which i personally have had yeah. Most people are very timid. They're tamed and for a very long time and they never actually trained the muscles of standing up for themselves. You know, or having the guts not to be liked. Um, and I think that is really one of the main problems that I see when I work with people. 
They always yeah. ask me, how do you do that? And I always go back. Um, that's why I did it so perfectly in my 30s because the way I was raised, I, I'm, a, I'm a middle child of five kids. Mm. And my dad was strict and very demanding, but he was also a very um, inspiring um, person who was teaching us a lot about meaning of life. He actually raised us um, in a way that he, to question things. And <laughs> ironically, I would end up in a lot of trouble with him because I questioned him too. But I think because I, I, you know, he gave me that permission and I took it. And so I really trained my muscles as a little girl to question, you know, I stood up against the church. I stood up against teachers. I stood up against my father. Like I would really suffer also consequences for that, you know? Yeah. And I think because I had so much training in courage or, you know, I just executed that, part of me that's why my awakening journey was such a such a breeze for me it was mm -hmm. it was a, it's such a liberating beautiful um yeah it was a liberating moment of my life where I totally felt oh my god like I just realized I fell into the trap of it, what everybody else is telling me to do and that was just bloody stupid and what do you want to do next? Do you want to keep being stupid or do you want to do your, your own thing? And I was very, very much aware of who I am and what I believed in. Mm. Um, and that it was not very different from the little girl that I was up until 10, which are the formative years. So until eight, yeah. we are still kind of our own and then we give in too much, too much pressure. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of, you know, we go into the society um, and yeah. lose that, that authentic selves. But if you ask me who I am today, very much like the girl I was when I was eight. Mm. Yeah. But I would say courage is something that um, we are not, we are not told to um, use. Yes. Yes. And you mentioned the, the structures that we live in. They train us to be a certain way so that we don't question things. And so that not questioning things definitely works out for people that are in power. Um, and I love what you said. Um, you said the phrase training and courage, I think, or courage and training. Uh, and I thought that was so beautiful. Can you tell me what that means to you? Well, I reckon I just take terms that I use in, in, from therapy when I work with people. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a, a good analogy to tell them that there is a part of them they haven't used yet. So like in the gym, you know, you go to the gym and mm -hmm. like you can't run for 45 minutes on the treadmill uh, just like that. Mm -hmm. You can't do, you know... Um, all the exercises you see other people doing because they're going to the gym for years and you just started, right? Yeah. You want to do all of that, but you need to start slowly and you've never done it before. So how on earth like, are you going to do it? Well, you, you have to start training that muscle, that part of you, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Courage 
is within you, like everything else, fear and anger, like the bad emotions, the, the beautiful emotions, you know, however you want to label them, everything is within you. They are, they are just a comp compilation of those parts. And courage is sadly not one that was encouraged to be used. It was a bad thing. Don't, don't, don't speak up for yourself. Be quiet. Don't cause trouble in the company. Don't, you know, you know, just don't make people pay attention to you if it's something that, you know, like, for example, yeah. if you see bullying at work, just keep quiet, you know, don't stand up and you might lose your job, right? I, on the other hand, am not that one. I'm... I bully the bully. I will call out the bullshit. Um, I know the risks and I'm willing to take the risks because at the end of the day, I'd rather lose the job than losing my face in, in that mirror. I want to stand in front of that mirror and know that if I'm hit by the bus and I have 30 seconds to think about who I am before I die and who I was, I want to die with my integrity in check. I don't care about that job because if it's at the cost of my integrity, that has to go. Yeah. And so am I exceptional? Yes, I believe that's what people tell me, but I'm very saddened by the fact that I'm labeled as exceptional because it tells me something yeah. about the average person mm. that yeah. we are just bystanders. Mm. Mm. Yes, you're so right. And it sounds like a lot of the work that you've done is to question things. Um, how do you, um, how would you give someone advice on how they should start questioning their environment mm -hmm. or their belief systems? Yeah, well, there's few things that I would suggest. But before I do that, just to, to, to clarify, I am, I'm, mm. I think I'm one of the things that helps me is I'm highly educated and I studied sociology and in sociology, mm -hmm. you learn how the society has been built and mm. why. And so one of the suggestions is, first of all, we need to stop racing like maniacs or headless chickens since the get go in the morning where we just do things on autopilot. Yeah. And for that, you need to create some space funny to say there's some space in your time you have to create time and space to just ask yourselves like why ask yourselves the question why so for example I need to go to this birthday party on Sunday mm. but you feel like you don't really want it so ask yourself yeah. why am I going yeah and then people want to run away they don't they, People in therapy will often say, I don't know. And that's not what, as a therapist, I don't accept that answer. But it's a lazy answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to say, I don't know, because you actually don't want to confront difficult thoughts. Like it takes some work, like, right? And we're a bit lazy creatures. So I'm saying, yeah. okay, just ask and stand there, sit, stand, whatever, and just wait. Why do you, why are you going? Oh, because, you know, it's convenient because my husband is friend with his husband. It's good for his work. Yeah. Uh -huh. So you're going so that your husband doesn't. So you're compromising your own for the sake of your husband's relationships at work. Mm. Yes. Right. So from there, you can start working. Okay. You can start working through 
having more joy and enjoyment of going there, or you can come to a conclusion that no, you really don't feel comfortable with his wife because she's passive aggressive. And that hurt is more important to you than your husband's relationship with that guy. Mm, right? yeah. But that's, you see, like I, that question why opens a Pandora's box. It's almost like you become your own self-therapist. Yeah, but that question is the most important question we should ask. So everything, every time there's something that is just not feeling right for you. Every time you say, oh, I have to, I need to, I should, mm -hmm. it's not yours. It is what you've been told. Because if it was something you really wanted to do, you will use the word I want. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. And how often do we use those words? I can't wait to see my friend for a birthday party. Or, oh, yeah, it's that birthday party we have to go on Sunday. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you go. But I say, no, no, you, you question. And then decide, is it worth it going? And if it is, what for? But at least you'll know that you're compromising yourself. And that's how we start shedding things that don't belong to us, that are not our beliefs, yeah. that we just compromise on. Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, so I know that in your therapy practice, you said something like, um, that therapy and Buddhism are very close or that the work you do as a therapist is you, you ask a lot of questions and you, you guide your clients to do some self-exploration, but I'm so curious as to why you, you decided to kind of mix the two. Cause I know that you also have your little school of Buddhism course, so you're really merging the realm of um, therapy with spirituality. So I'd love to hear more about that. Mm. Look, um, I don't think Buddhism got enough credits in the development of psychology. And if you actually, this is the thing, like I, I advise people to educate themselves. Mm. Have a look at how, how old psychology is in psychotherapy. When did it start? And where did those people actually get their ideas from? They were also educated in humanities, you know, and philosophies. And one of them was Buddhism. And so mm. like with any, um, uh, you know, like psychology and sociology, anthropology, like any movement, any discipline, there are trends. And it's not uncommon that psychologists and therapists use certain techniques that stem from Buddhism. They just don't know that it's them. Some of them don't even know that it comes from Buddhism. I do. And I like to give credit to, to that. I think it should be credited. Yeah. And so, for example, you have a very, um, very big trend right now in clinical psychology called reparenting technique, self-compassion, um, the acceptance and commitment therapy. Well, mm -hmm. if you study that and then you look into the Buddhist psychology, it's exactly the same. It comes from that philosophy because Buddhism is, is the psychology of mind and philosophy of life. That's it. Mm. Nothing more to it. There's no faith system. There's no faith there. There's no God. There's not, nothing like that. And so, you know, in therapy, I don't talk about, um, you know, if somebody is conventional, is like I have, you know, people even who want to study Buddhism with me, they're, they're Muslims, Catholics, whatever. It's, Buddhism is not a religion. It just right. helps you with your mind and, and the purpose of your life, really. 
mm. you know, the mechanics of navigating difficult emotions. And so, for example, if a client comes to me and not interested in spirituality, but I use the self-compassion technique, it has absolutely no relevance if it's Buddhist or not. I just know that it's from there. Mm. Um, but a Christian, you know, I was raised Catholic, Jesus, like it's also questionable where he got his teachings after he disappeared to the East mm -hmm. and came yeah. with compassion and forgiveness, yeah. which is a Buddhist philosophy. Mm -hmm. so you know they can relate to that so acceptance and therapy commitment for example and self-compassion is working with your emotions in an accepting way mm -hmm. and if you look at so instead of running from the anger running from fear you run towards it that's how you mm -hmm. find the courage to actually love the ugly parts of you and like little children you hold them you hold these emotions and you, you invite those demons to tea and then they start working with you rather than against you. They, it's like a child. You hold a child until it cries their eyes out, give them a cookie, it's heard, it's understood. And then when it calms down, you explain to that child that maybe it's not that bad. But you first have to hold those emotions. And so that's, yeah. you know, that's the therapy. But that is all Buddhism. It's like we learn that in Buddhism to hold that. And why I think Buddhism is so prominent in, in psychology right now as well is because it's very practical and uh, it, it's methodical. So because it's not faith-based, it's actually very methodical in working with emotions unlike any other religions like I never learned in the church how I should work with my emotions. Mm. You know, right. I was there to pray to some external persona mm. to help me, right? But that's like I'm giving all my power to something external to resolve me from my problems. But I, I have to do the work. So how am I doing the work? That wasn't enough for me. So Buddhism gives you the, the work frame. It tells you this is how you do the work. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah. You mentioned the importance of people educating themselves, um, especially when it comes to knowing where these systems come from. Um, but on a general level, if people are curious about learning more about Buddhism, are there any resources that you would recommend people turn to? Yeah, I think, look, your cultures are so different, you know. Um, Europeans, I'm a European, we, we're pretty academic people, like we have really stern mm. schools. Um, yeah. yeah, our education I, I, is really, really, like the general education is hardcore. We know yeah. a lot. Um, of course, there's, there are people on, in other cultures who know a lot, but I wouldn't say that the average Joe uh, in certain cultures is as educated. Um, so for you know i i would say for for the average Joe around the world in these modern times where we are just not capable to read a book anymore we cannot read the three minutes post because we are so busy okay. i mean i'm saying this in an ironic way mm -hmm. um you know our attention span is like a mouse um so yeah. i would say fine start with wikipedia it's not the end of your education but at least start somewhere so mm. go and look into go and explore okay buddhism or buddhism in therapy um 
or you know like buddhism and other religions you know whatever whatever you want just google or go on wikipedia and then read something and try to read really mindfully that when something really uh, catches your interest then dig deeper into that yeah and so try and find books so i would for example really highly recommend try and find an expert in it not a life coach who calls themselves an expert because she's just created a course after three years but actually look at the credential of the person who is doing that has she finished any universities has she finished any course who was she working with and find experts so i for example didn't know anything about buddhism so i went straight to dalai lama I'm like, I'm not interested in anyone else telling me. Like, I, I, Eckhart Tolle was actually the person that was very influencing me. But I, that wasn't, I, he wasn't enough for me because I'm like, this is not, people were writing, this is all from Buddhism. This is all from Buddhism. And that mm. caught my interest. So I went into Buddhism. And right. for me, Eckhart Tolle now is just scratching the surface because mm -hmm. I actually went to the source. I want to go to the source of the information. Like when I was a Catholic, confession were like, no, I'm not going to confess to somebody who is in exactly the same shit like me. I don't need a middleman. I don't believe mm -hmm. in that shit. I'm going to talk directly to the boss because that's the relationship that I want to have. I want to have my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so, you see, to the source. So, yes, go. If you're interested in psychotherapy, Google who started psychotherapy, start digging, and then you will learn the development of it. Uh, different schools, you know, you will learn how there's Freud and there's Jung. Aha, uh -huh. for me, I don't care about Freud that much. I care about Jung, who was forbidden. And then I'm like, why was he forbidden for such a long time? Aha, uh -huh. and it's controversial. It's interesting. Then I dug a little bit deeper. Then I bought his books. Then I read his books. So yeah. I have formal education, but I mean, my husband forbid me to do any, like, I don't read books like, you know, not many novels and stuff. I constantly read books from, you know, really educated, like Nobel Prize winners, experts in their fields. And that's how you can self-educate. These days, you're so blessed. You have YouTube, everything. You can watch amazing experts in their fields, you know, yeah, for hours and hours for free if you wanted to. Yes, yeah. Side note, I love Carl Jung. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I have a degree in psychology and we, um, my dad was always talking to me about Carl Jung and when I was little, I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but when I started my education, he said, are you reading about Jung yet? Have you learned about Carl Jung? And I'd say, no, no, it's just about Freud. <laughs> and he was always like, oh, why not? So I just, that made me chuckle that you said that. Yeah, um, well, there was a there was a reason why Freud put put him aside with all his influences. But you see, he's very trendy now. Why? Because the society is ready to look beyond and beyond mm. all the mistaken approaches that Freud. Freud is just the one person, you know. He got many things wrong, some things good. Right. But right. yeah, it's it's interesting how you see you you studied psychology and no mention of. You know, there's a reason why, because he's very spiritual, and in, at that time that was not convenient. Mm, yeah, mm. Um, we're almost at the top of the hour, so I'm going to ask you the four questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, the first question is, what would you tell your younger self, knowing all that you know now? 
I would just say, um, darling, stay as you are. And better go alone than following others in what does not resonate with you. Thank you. <laughs> and what do you hope to learn from your future self? Uh, patience. I definitely um, need patience. I don't think there is any uh, inner peace found without patience. And that's a very weak link um, on my yeah. journey yet. Yeah. How do you connect with your higher self? Uh, through meditation. So I meditate at least once a day in the morning. I'd say I meditate every couple of hours um, there's many quick meditations that I do very deep meditations but you can do it like you know while you're walking on the street wherever um, and that is something that just constantly keeps me grounded in my wisdom and the last question is what does empowered spirituality mean to you I think that um, I'd say daily practice. I think empowered spirituality can only be achieved if it's actively practiced. Otherwise, it has no power. It's just a nice idea floating around us. But yeah, we need to practice every day diligently um, yeah. to actually feel the empowered spirituality within us. I love that answer. I was just working with a client and she was saying that she only meditates when things get really bad and she needs to start meditating um, all the time, even when things are good. And she used the phrase meditation as medicine. And I have it written on a post-it so that I can come back to the concept of meditation as medicine. And I feel like what you said about the daily practice is similar to that, that medicine. Yeah that sometimes we need to take preventative measures too. Yeah, I think that's actually key to, to do it preventatively rather than, it's very hard to meditate when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important to meditate because it's the only opportunity in the day where we can just catch that glimpse of wisdom even for five seconds at a time that just gives us that buffer from all the suffering of, yeah. of the daily life. Thank you so much. I okay. will say it was, it was an interesting challenge to interview you because you are so calming and soothing. And I felt like as you were talking, I was just receiving and then you'd be done talking and I'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> I have to interview you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that is the best challenge I could have ever had. You being in your presence has made me feel so relaxed. And so I feel like the, the knowledge and the wisdom that comes out of your mouth is so authentic and so, so rooted in your heart. And so I really, really see that. And I really appreciate you showing up this way. My pleasure. Well, I, I'll just say one thing. I, I, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't get to touch on? No, I think we touched really important 
um, messages here and just to your audience just keep digging for all the treasures within you at your own pace and that's how you learn to follow your gut and to learn who you actually are and how can people find you how can they work with you how can they listen to your podcast um, so the easiest way to do it is to go on my website kickass muse and on there you can find my online courses you can find my uh, therapy and coaching sessions how to contact me also my podcast youtube you can also go on little school of buddhism.com uh, to join my course which i run once a year and um, if you're on instagram i use my name truth warrior that's something that i'm working on uh, for my book um, which is more personal <laughs> um, so yeah just i would just say go and kick us muse and you'll find a way to to get in touch that sounds wonderful Ooh, i'm excited to hear that there's a book on the horizon too it's exciting yeah there are three but i'm working on it <laughs> Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh my so you're working on in my head for years now. <laughs> oh wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It can be challenging to find a community of supportive people to share in our spiritual journeys with. We all need support and love no matter where we are on our personal journeys. So I am excited to announce that I have created the space for just that. In the Empowered Spirituality community, you will receive a weekly video lesson, weekly journaling prompts, access to an additional guided meditation every week, monthly group meetings and teachings via Zoom, and access to a loving and supportive online community. Additionally, all members will receive 20% off of all of their coaching sessions. You can follow the link in the show notes for this community offer or visit patreon.com slash empowered spirituality.